Hey guys, welcome to the Relax Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tyson Popplestone. Hey, today on the show, I get to catch up with running physiotherapist and good friend of mine, Dane Verway. Uh, Dane's been a physio now for 10 years, and I was really interested in catching up with him just to have an opportunity to speak to him about some of the common mistakes, some of the common injuries, and some of the common, uh, I guess, pitfalls that a lot of runners find themselves in, um, just through lack of awareness or lack of practice. I think uh, having the expertise of a bloke like Dane, who is not only experienced as a runner, but has experienced so much more learning about the training errors, uh, training mistakes that runners fall into is a really helpful thing because it can save us so many years of uh, just trial trial and error. So we catch up for about an hour here and um, it had been a while since we since we caught up. So we spent the first few minutes just catching up and uh, I, I asked Dane a little bit about his running history, how he got into it. And then we sort of ventured down the path of how we got involved in physios, which is where the real uh, meaty part of the conversation takes place. Uh, we talk about some simple strategies that we can start to implement in order to be able to, uh, you know, see better results in our strength and our running performance. Um, we also scratch the surface on a, a couple of strategies that we uh, that we can start to uh, start to implement. Um, we actually recorded a bonus podcast uh, for nearly an hour more. I think it goes for 45 minutes, which is now available to Relax Running members. So if you're a Relax, relax Running member, make sure you jump on over and access that. That is a, a really great episode where we are, not only do we hey, reflect on uh, how the public podcast went, this one, we we're quite happy with it, um, but we speak about uh, specifically combating a, a sedentary lifestyle, some of the exercises and strength-specific routines that we can start to create in order um, to overcome that really slow pace or seated lifestyle that so many of us um, you know, get stuck in. We come out with some simple strategies that we often overlook and some real spe- uh, physio-specific drills. Dane speaks about the three exercises he thinks we all need to include in our routine, which is, it's really helpful. You'll also, it'll be the fifth bonus podcast on there. So if you're not a member yet, jump over to relaxrunning.com slash join. It's five bucks a month and you'll also get access to a bonus podcast with Jess Trengove, who's an Australian two-time Olympian and 225 marathon runner. Uh, Liam Adams, who's an Australian Olympian 210 marathon runner. US Olympian Andrew Wheating, who's a 1500 meter runner he's run 330 for the distance and australia's half marathon star brett robbo and i sat down for an hour as well uh, you'll also get access to our elite insight videos which is going to save you hundreds of dollars because we catch up with the best runners in the world and the professionals from around the world who uh, whether they're physios or podiatrists or coaches um, sports doctors, exercise physiologists, and we're, we're just starting to develop a, a real library of resources just to make your job as a runner so much easier. So it's all in one place there for you. We've also got training programs um, from 5Ks to the marathon for all levels. So if you want to just go and suss it out and see if you're interested, uh, we've got a three-day free trial that you can take advantage of. Just click Relax Running. Uh, sorry, go to relaxrunning.com slash join and... Uh, You'll be able to get on board there. Uh, any questions, feel free to yell out. It's all at relaxrunning.com. Hey, regular listeners, you already know this, but this episode is also brought to you by Rundy's Undies Athletic Underwear. Let me give you a little bit of an uh, overview about this company. So they started in 2015 by Australian marathon runner Jess Stenson, or what we uh, a lot of us know her as Jess Trengove. They started it with her brother Jack and her husband Dylan. Uh, Rundies are smooth, breathable, supportive, and features soft bamboo fabric in the gusset. I love that word, gusset. Fantastic. As I always say, Google it if you don't know what it means. Their range for men and women includes jocks, trunks, briefs, crop tops, and a cheeky new little G-string. So, uh, Relax Running listeners, you guys will get 30% off all of your purchases if you go to Relax... Uh, if you go... Relax Running. Look at me plugging my own stuff again. If you go to rundies.com.au and enter the coupon code RELAX30. That's all in capitals. R-E-L-A-X. You'll get 30% off all of your uh, purchases there. So jump on over, take advantage of that. It's something they've put together especially 
for us. I've uh, just got a little cheeky packet in the mailbox yesterday, so I'm going to be slipping into those and heading out for a run this afternoon. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Guys, let me get out of your way. Uh, I really hope you enjoy this conversation I have with Australian running physiotherapist, Dane Verway. It's funny, actually, I was thinking the other day when I had a bit of a, about a half an hour chat to you on the phone, it, it must have been five years, I reckon, since we've sat down and had a proper chat. It was, was it the Everest function was definitely the last time I saw you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. What year was that? It was 2015, can you believe? Bloody hell, I didn't know it was that long ago. <laughs> it's gone It's gone so quickly. I was yeah, laughing because I, uh, I would have forgotten all about it, but when I was talking to you on the phone the other day and you mentioned that you guys were on the rowdy table, I thought, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah, we were out the back and, um, yeah, I, I just remember it was um, a pretty good night. <laughs> it was so much fun because you had um, uh, your brother, Josh Papanikolaou, a blast from the past, was there. Yeah, uh, yeah, man, it was it was fun. I can't believe it's uh, it's funny as you get older, bro, and you look back at how quickly those years go by. Like I was speaking to Jessie just before we started doing this podcast today, and she goes, she's like, "Oh, when was the last time you chatted with uh, Dane? It feels like yeah. a long time ago." And I was like, "Can you believe? Like you can chuck it as half a decade now." Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm the same. I felt like it was you know probably like a couple of years, but yeah, it's um it's crazy how the time just flies and um. Yeah, no, I, I still remember that night, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you do, man. That's a pretty good effort on your behalf. Yeah, um, yeah but so I guess like for, for people who haven't haven't met you before or don't know, like me and you have got a bit of a history coming up through junior athletics, and we actually, I reckon we had a good little rivalry there, rivalry there for a couple of years. I, I don't know about you, but you were always one of those blokes on the start line that I would always have my eye on and knew that if I was anywhere near you or around you, I was probably having a good race. Yeah, well, I, like I always like – I reckon you've been a bit kind there. <laughs> like, I, like I, I loved it and I was always there and I was always consistent. But, um, yeah, I, I probably, um, yeah, it was sort of more the longer distances and didn't have your speed or, yeah, over the 15 and 3K and, and ne- never really got to got to your times. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, definitely like I was a regular on, on the athletic season and have been um, for a good 20 years, um, uh, yeah, just turning up every – every winter season and every summer season in athletic Victoria for Fr- Frankston and um, just, just still love it. Like um, I remember like growing up, mum and dad were like, Oh, make sure you're well balanced, well rounded, you know, cause you know, one day you might not like running it, but for some reason it's just stuck and it's been a passion of mine. It's one of those yeah. things, isn't it? Once you get it in your blood, you can't quite shake it. I um even yeah. still, I had a few years off. I, I officially, hung up the spikes in, I think it was 2013. I was all inspired by Mark Glitzavs here in Australia who went and got drafted. And I thought, hey, I can play footy. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get drafted. And I had a chat to a couple of clubs. They're like, mate, I could not be less interested in you. So, <laughs> so- no, I, I remember that. Like I remember when you um, went on that pursuit, um, yeah, and, and you hit the gym a bit. And, um, yeah, because uh, um, Sean's good friends with Jocko and, um, yeah, uh, Jocko. Yeah, he was um, telling us about it, and yeah, it's so funny, man. Well, I always, always promised Jesse that once I hung up my spikes, that I'd put on a bit of weight because we got married in two thousand and eleven, and I reckon the first time she ever saw me with my shirt off and realised my ribs poked out further than any of my muscles, she goes, "Oh my gosh, like what have I signed up to here?" So I said, "All right, what, what, once my uh, once my running career is done, I'm going to hit the gym." And that's what I did. So I reckon I lived on tuna and steak and protein shakes for about 12 months. I'm not sure it was my healthiest year, but my pecs look bloody good, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was, um, but, man, I, I've just got back into running uh, a little bit more lately, actually. Like, even this yeah. afternoon, I just went out for a 30-minute run. But you're right. Like, once it once it's in there, man, I share the same I share the same passion. Like, even when I was away from the sport for a few years, I was always watching it. And uh, you, you mentioned, so we were, we were pretty competitive, I reckon, when we were younger, sort of like 15 yeah. or 
16. And then you yep. started to make that transition up into the longer distances, didn't you? And you like the marathon, half marathon kind of event. Is that where you're at now? Yeah, yeah. So um, once I finished school, like I, I always knew that I was destined for the longer stuff because I just, I just loved the longer stuff. So I always enjoyed the long runs and I found this, the speed work. Um, oh, I just didn't look forward to it. It hurt. Um, I hated those sessions. Um, but yeah, when it came to a long run, I always found like I just, I liked that slow, slow burn. And so after school, uh, probably the next year, I did a half marathon and um, I started doing a few more 10Ks. And then I, I waited till I was 28 before I did my first marathon because I always was a late developer. I always looked like I was 12 um, the whole way through school. And there was always that thought that you've got to load years, so just be patient um, until you're fully developed. And But, yeah, always always couldn't wait to run a marathon. Uh, I don't know. It was just that. And I think there's a lot of runners like that. They just, they're just more uh, slow twitch and um, where it, or it might be their personality. They're sort of more... They, they like just sort of churning it out for a long time and don't mind, mind the grind where there's other runners that seem to sort of really like that short, faster sort of side of the 5K or the 1500 or the 3K. Yeah, well, I think you're speaking to more my kind of person there because the yeah. idea of doing long work or anything over 10K, I used to start crying on the way to training or on the way to the race. So uh, yeah. I definitely know the contrast in those two athletes. But what, are, what have you got your marathon down to now? What's your time? Oh, so uh, 2018, I went to Berlin and did the Berlin Marathon and I had a really good build up and I actually wrote a blog actually in the lead up to that uh, race and um, and so for about 16 weeks, I detailed my training and I think it made me re- really accountable and I just, because I was writing it as a blog, I, I had to do everything and um, I, I've never been fitter and I ran 222.40 and... The guy who uh, – that's the race that uh, Alud Kipchoge ran the world record. So it was it was really cool to be a part of. Um, so I just remember with 6Ks to go um, looking across and there was this big screen and, and he crossed the line and I heard this sort of roar uh, in the distance and and uh, the atmosphere was unreal in Berlin and it's so flat and fast and the temperature is so conducive to running. So you can see why so many people go there and it was – as, as soon as I saw that 201.38 was on the clock when he cro- like Kipchoge crossed the line, it's like, oh, this is a special day no matter what happens. And it, it kind of was inspiring. It was like, yeah, I, I just kept driving for the line. That's crazy, man. Yeah, those big city marathons are, are definitely a far more appealing sight, I reckon, than – I ran the Melbourne one in 2018. I don't know if you heard, unlike the street stories of marathons gone bad – um, but I, I ran that and I tell you what, there's definitely no incentive to get out there again anytime soon. That wasn't a crack at Melbourne Marathon. That was more a crack at the fact that I wasn't fit enough to run it. But the big yeah, city yeah. marathons where they're, where they're just lined with, uh, lined with people. I was speaking to Liam Adams a few weeks yep. ago. Liam Adams, for anyone listening, doesn't know him. He's a uh, 210 marathon runner yeah. now. And he said it's a similar story in Japan. He goes, you understand why people go over there to try and run fast because just the the streets are just lined with people like 10 rows deep and they're just obsessed with the sport so yeah. uh, man it's a pretty it's a pretty good place to run a fast time i've heard it it's got a reputation doesn't it berlin for yeah. being a good course it's to so, run quick yeah it's so fast like you're just waiting for a hill or a, you know the wind or or something to slow you down but it essentially just feels uh, like it's pancake flat and um, so you can compare it to like some of the marathons over in Australia where there's always something like Hobart's, you know, pretty hilly. Um, yeah, Melbourne's, you know, got a few hills in it around the shrine and, you know, some years you can get a bit of a wind and, yeah, so like you're just waiting for something to slow you slow you down. But no, nah, and generally because it's got a reputation, it attracts a pretty good, pretty good crowd. So you've normally got people around you as well. Um, yeah, I just heard today it got cancelled this year. Obviously, like every yeah. other event in the world, that's a yeah, I know. Is it like it's a it's a bugger, but like I suppose it's important that um, the world gets on top of this. You know, it's pretty crazy time, isn't it? Yeah, um, man. I've actually yeah. one of the guys who's a member on the Relax Running membership. He's a German guy. He's I think he's nineteen yeah. or twenty. Uh, a shout out to Beek. His name is and Beek was. He's got the goal of running a two-hour 20 marathon this year, and I think he had his eyes and heart set on Berlin, 
And I saw his Instagram story just the other day saying Berlin's cancelled. Oh, no, come on 2020. So I feel bad for a lot of the young guys who are sort of trying to line up their first opportunity to really hit it. But uh, it's funny, as you get older, you start to realise how many opportunities you you get. So it's a little bit comforting for a bloke like that. But Especially in the marathon. um, Yeah, you've got a long life in the marathon generally. Like, yeah, you see so many um, runners like Sinead Diver or Lisa Waitman and like they're still going pretty well into the early forties. So yeah, yeah. that's that's what's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, Lisa Waitman's a great example. She's got, I think she's got a couple of kids as well, isn't she? Yeah, or hasn't yeah, she? she? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Same with Sinead. Like, yeah. So now there's plenty of time. Like I, I was hoping to do it again this year as well. Actually, with my good friend down this way, um, Matt Mattress Davy. Oh, um, the yeah. best, the best bloke in Melbourne. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's a good bloke, and um, I've done a lot of training with Matt and. Yeah, we were hoping to do it together um, again. Oh, he's never done it. Um, so, um, like, this year, finally, his school holidays fell in line with it because he's a teacher. Uh, but, yeah, oh, well, oh, it happens. Yeah. Uh, there's always going to be another race. You feel bad, don't you, when you talk about, yeah, you're running in a time like this where people are yeah. losing their jobs yeah. and losing their lives. We're thinking, oh, crap, we can't run a PB. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man, uh, I, I'm really interested to – I wanted to get you on because I know you've got a history, like a rich history in running, and I know there's a lot of physios out there who, uh, you know, are good. But I'm, as this podcast is really tailored and aimed towards runners, I thought it would be great to be able to get you on here and hear a little bit about your own story because I think there's so many um, there's so many little niggles and so many little frustrating mistakes that, that a lot of athletes make, which – when you when you've had as long in the sport as, as what we have, or when you've especially yourself, like when you've had as long studying the body and uh, just looking at the sport and the just the common pitfalls that we make, a lot of them are probably really avoidable. So I thought it'd be great to be able to get you here, uh, pick your brain about what you've seen, what you've learnt, and hopefully um, offer a couple of little takeaways to uh, to the distance runners who are listening. But man, just give us a Give us a bit of a rundown how you got into the scene because I know you say it's in your blood a bit, the, the running world, but uh, it, it's nice that you've been able to tailor your career around your running as well almost. Yeah. Um, so how, how did I get into running? I was very like heavily influenced from my parents. But, like They're both um, – so mum and dad were both PE teachers. Um, they've just retired as of the last year or two. Um, but, um, yeah, dad was a PE teacher at Rosebud Secondary for like 35 years and um, – and so they were very into sport and they both um, uh, ran um, and I, I would see them run like just at home and I just thought it's what you do. <laughs> like, um, so it's, it's, I, I suppose as a child, like it, you just um, become what you see and um, and that was my environment as I grew up. And obviously genetically I've got a little bit of like, you know, what mum and dad have and I'm pretty similar to them and uh, they both did marathons Um in the early 90s, uh, they didn't train particularly specifically for it. They just sort of jogged and, and ran them, but it was part of their life. And and then in primary school, uh, in, you know, grade five and six, um, I went okay in the school ones and got through to the next level and then the next level um, off off largely just footy, footy training and just being active um, and running around um, at school. And so as soon as, I don't know, I've, got, I've always had something in me where if I was, if I was um, okay at something, I liked trying to get better. And, and then that's how it started. And, and I think um, almost what you said um, just off air, Tyus, about being a bit of a perfectionist, I think that is a common trait for distance runners. Um, uh, I remember reading Andre Agassi's book and he had a similar thing where you just want to keep getting better. And that was what he strived for, like perfection. And I've always loved just trying to like improve and and so then that's how it started and I ended up joining a running group in grade six and and year seven uh, and I really it really took off once I joined Nikki Frey's squad in year seven and I had a group of friends that did it and ran with them throughout secondary college and and there was about oh there would have been ten. 10 boys my age that all loved running and they were some of my best friends growing up. So that was a huge influence and that kept me in the sport. I was always small when I was young and I love footy. Like I live next to my neighbour. I've got two brothers and my neighbour was Nathan Jones and Zach Jones. The king, the king. He's my favourite player. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. I love him. I hate Melbourne but love Nathan Jones. 
<laughs> Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Well, oh, yeah, well, um, we live next to a primary school, Manalyza North Primary School, and every night we went up to the basketball court and played football matches and that was a constant for about six or seven years and that's all we did and that's that's um mine and my brother's claim to fame is we honed nathan jones footy kicking skills and <laughs> um, yeah so and and he was a good he like nathan was a good triathlete and runner as well and and then my brothers were pretty good runners as well and i think um yeah when you're around that all the time it just becomes part of you and and then, uh, yeah, I, I think because uh, I, I was small and, and I, I tried to play footy like Nathan and um, I was no good. I just kept getting hurt. So I had to choose at about year nine, okay, um, yeah, I think I'll stick to running because I, I was good at it and and I didn't want to get crunched every week. Yeah, Nathan yeah. Jones is small too, isn't he? He's just about – he's probably as wide as he is tall though. Yeah, that's the thing. He He had this natural ability to put on muscle and – he was always so tough. Like uh, he was um, two years younger than me. He was more uh, my middle brother's age, Sean, and they grew up together. Like and did everything together. And uh, you always could tell that Nathan was going to be a good footballer. You just hoped that everything went right for him and that he made it the whole way. Yeah, I'm so jealous. You're. Uh, I'm sort of. Fan- I'm fangirling a little bit because uh, I was uh, seriously just. I never read the Herald Sun, and yesterday I was waiting for some. Uh, some Spanish food to get cooked and there was a Herald Sun right in front of me so I flicked it open and saw uh, read a little article about him homeschooling his kids in the time being how he's gone but um, man you've done you've done something good with him because every time I see him uh, every time I see him play he's got some pinpoint precision with those kicks you're right that was a bit of a joke no nah, it wasn't a joke don't don't take it I know I know it was true I know you've done it I'm going to quote that actually when we advertise this podcast that you taught Nath Jones everything you knew <laughs> uh, he, he would he would um he'd remember those days they were pretty good days <laughs> man that's good so uh and just through a love of running um i guess yeah you're right like you mentioned the that we were speaking about the perfectionist aspect to to running i was listening to a joe rogan interview on this comedian's podcast called notebooks oh, yeah. and uh the bloke who was interviewing said said mate like how do you keep improving? Like, what do you do? And Joe's like, my most important tip is you just got to hate yourself. Yeah, he said hate yourself. He was saying it tongue in cheek, but essentially what he was saying is just at the end of each performance, go back and yeah, appreciate what you've done yeah. well, but just, yeah. just assess where you've got room for improvement. I think that's a, it's funny, isn't it? Like regardless of how fast you run, regardless of how much of a PB you run, you never quite think you've hit your peak. So I think there's, yeah, um, I think comedians in bro. This is a whole other story we'll talk about later. But uh, the last two years, I've d- started doing stand up. Yeah, I um I heard I, I've listened to a few of your podcasts and I um heard that you've um actually sort of been doing it, which is cool. Like you're you, you're good on on your feet, and um I yeah I can see I can I can picture it. Oh, bro, actually, maybe we can talk about this for a bit longer if you're going to give me some compliments because I'm happy to take <laughs> – I, I tell you what, I reckon I got nervous for a minute because I've been very cautious not to let any tapes out for about the next eight years and I thought oh. for a minute you were going to say I've actually heard some of your sets and almost started to cry. Um, <laughs> but it's funny, man. The reason I bring it up always and the reason it's sort of hot on my mind is I just there's such a there's such a correlation between the two disciplines, which is so weird because yeah. the running scene's obviously like obsessive, healthy, obsessive – uh just trying to improve and and you know adjust whereas the comedy you've got like the fittest people in the world and the like drug addict alcoholics uh but they're all just got this obsession with improving their craft uh so it's been really interesting man i think the the role that you play through your physio work is one of those areas where whether you're injured or whether you're just trying to improve like a weakness uh in your physiology i think a lot of athletes tend to go towards as a as a one percenter so what was it that sparked your interest in becoming a physio man yeah um initially so i went to school at haleybury college um yes i was pretty fortunate to go there um because their focus on academics was um yeah really big so naturally i wasn't the brightest kid um but just having that structure around me like made me sort of read more books and um, actually focus on my on my studies and and know what to do and 
So in year seven, they would often have an old boy come back to the school and talk um, at assembly. And I always remember in year seven, a physio came and talked to the school and he was a sports physio. And I was obsessed by football and running and and I, I was a huge fan of all, all things sport, like with my parents' influence and, and what, I, what I'd seen growing up, you know, and playing sport with my brothers and the na- next door neighbours all the time at the school up, up, up above our house. And um, I just wanted a job that involves sport. And if I could be a professional runner, I would have been. But I had this vague uh, sort of idea of, yeah, I'll try to be as good a runner as I can. But, you know, if that doesn't work out, what else can I do? And that was the closest thing that I thought would would replicate that, and I'd I'd get to like you know be be if, um, along for the ride. If you know maybe I could be the physio for you know some kind of sports team or sports person. And as you do your physio, you realise that it's a lot more than that, and there's all different types of physio. And you finish your physio course after four years, and you realise there's orthopedic physio, neurological physio. Um, cardio respiratory physio and there's all these niches and the first talk that the lecturer says in in the first year of physio says um only um nine percent of you will become a private practice physio and it's funny because of the 130 uh physio students in the course probably 100 percent of them want to be a, a sports physio at the time and but then um as, as people mature and change um, and, and go through the course, they soon go, oh, no, I, I don't mind this aspect. And I was just lucky that I, I don't know, I, for some reason my, my passions and, and thoughts didn't change and I always wanted to, to be a running physio. <laughs> and, um, and so once I finished my course, I, I reached out to Rob O'Donnell, um, who I still work for, and he works at Southern Suburbs Physio, and I knew he was a physio of the World Cross Country team. And I was like, I had a coffee with him, and I said, I really want to be the physio of the World Cross Country team for Australia. Um, and he's like, Yep, if you work for me, I'll, I'll give you my job eventually. And and that's how it happened. Wow, man! Talk about some incentive to to get involved. <laughs> that's awesome. So. Obviously, uh, I didn't realize that uh, the niche of there was a niche of physio which was specifically running physio. So you've just found yourself in the in the. Well, like it's like it's probably like uh, I've created that name, but like um, uh, I think over the last few years, because of the internet and then because of that that ability to um, uh, do a, a Skype um, or a podcast. Um, and then um, reach an audience that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to reach. I think the ability to niche down and and uh, really be specific and good at your your um, your specific aspect that you enjoy and that your passion of physio has become a bit more possible. So yeah, there probably was a time ten years ago where you were a physio and and you probably like um, weren't able to niche down as much. Um, and I certainly still see like a lot of um everything um and a variety of patients but definitely over the last several years um now my clientele is probably 70 percent runners yeah that's um, so interesting yeah. man like uh it makes yeah. so much sense as well to to go into a niche in a sport like running because the idea that yeah, you're going to try and give as much attention to a footballer who's coming in with bruises and bangs and stuff as a yeah. as a runner i guess you're just dealing with different stuff if you've got runners coming in with bruises and bangs there a lot of them are probably doing it wrong um <laughs> so <Yeah>. it's <laughs> nice to have a, a bloke like yourself just to be able to uh, keep them on the straight and narrow man but uh, i really yeah. wanted to delve into this particular part of the conversation um because uh as we mentioned there's a a lot of real common injuries that we see amongst runners so is there a within the running scene is there a particular injury that you're most interested in or a particular a body part or a tendon or like where where do you direct most of your attention yeah um so the injury that i probably feel the most confident treat in is probably tendon tendinopathy um so having had achilles tendon trouble for seven years myself and um going through times you know uh, in 2014 i wasn't able to run for six months like i tried about four, five, six times and it was just too sore, my Achilles. Um, I've got a I found and now that I've got through it and I'm running really well again um, and it feels strong, 
I feel like I've gone through the whole process as as a um, as a runner, and so seeing that side of things and actually experiencing the pain and the the doubt and um, the disappointment and the and and not being able to run, um, yeah, I feel like Achilles tendinopathies are probably my favourite injury to treat because um, of that experience, but then also because of how hard they are to treat. Like so many people come in and and they really do struggle with them because they are such a balance between, um, yeah, you need to still exercise while you've got it and you still need to strengthen it while you've got it and total rest isn't going to fix it, but then it's very easy to overdo it. So tapering your exercise and tapering, so tapering your running program and what you choose to do and tapering what strength exercises you choose to do is is really important and it's so it, you need to really need to um, – uh, and it's quite hard to do. Like it's a bit of an art. It's a, it's a bit of a learning process. Um, so yeah, I, I think from that personal experience, and because it's so hard, but I feel like I know how to do it. Um, that's my favourite injury to treat. But yeah, I, I, if someone comes in with any kind of leg injury, that's um, particularly it's running associated. Like I feel confident. But if someone comes in with a shoulder injury or a hand injury. Like my heart sinks a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So um, yeah. I was trying to prove that my multitasking ability is fantastic and continue a conversation as I Google. I couldn't do it though. Can you just explain to me in real simple terms what tendinopathy is? Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, with uh, every muscle that you have in your body, the ends of the muscle are like a rope and that rope attaches to the bone and that's how the muscle attaches to the bone. And that rope part is called the tendon that that part um gets a lot of loading in running um, particularly when it comes to the bottom of the calf at your heel bone or um particularly up at the bottom of your bottom bottom bone um so the hamstring tendon the proximal the upper hamstring tendon or and some people also get it a little bit at the patella tendon which is just below your knee and so those tendons those ropey parts you, you need them a lot for spring. So every time you run, they undergo some stretch. So they, um, they undergo a lot of b- ballistic load when you hit the ground. Um, so when you're running like high volume and, and then a lot of speed work um, and a lot of downhill running or uphill running and changing your variables quite quickly. So when you're changing your training load quite quickly um, often and running a lot, depending on your biomechanics and 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 different aspects of how you change your training load like so some some people for example run on their toes so you'd say that if they weren't careful with their footwork choices if they ran on uphill a lot then they're more likely to get say potentially an achilles tendinopathy um if someone runs uh with their bottom sticking out and an arch back um and they perhaps overstride and then they increase their training uh, training parameters quite quickly, then they're more likely potentially uh, to get a hamstring tendinopathy. So uh, it's 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 it, there. I suppose they're areas of the um, muscle that attach to the bone. But as runners, we use them a lot, and often depending on biomechanics and a lot of different variables, if you change your training quite quickly, that's probably the biggest thing that I've noticed is ninety percent of the injuries I see, overuse injuries that I see in the clinic because people change their training quite quickly and too quickly for what their body's capable of tolerating. And mm. um, the more experience you have and the more background and, and um, base of training you've got in your legs and uh, you are able to take a few risks in terms of increasing your training and changing parameters in your training, but the, the less experience you've got, the more susceptible you are to change and, and, and getting a bit of an injury or pain and and one of the common ones are those tendinopathies. Um, they're a, a common overuse injury um, when you just – because running's so repetitive. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, you know, every run, like a 5K run, you're taking so many steps. And, I mean, every every time you run, it's like, it's like you're hopping. It's a series of hops and that ballistic um, – uh, uh, sort of um, impact. Um, yeah, it has a, a lot of a toll on the ten- tendons over time. But that's not to get anyone scared about it. It's just like if you train smartly and and you train 
within your body and slowly increase over time and just a real patient and you have a, a great long-term goal um, and you, 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 you create a plan and you listen to your body, you have that flexibility of adjusting the plan at times, especially if you're feeling like you need to, um, then there's no reason why you can you don't have to get a tendon injury. Yeah, that's a really good point. You touched on a few things there that I just want to uh, sort of put a pin in. The last thing you said is actually one of them. Just uh, yep. um, I think the, the the perfectionist aspect of a runner is really interesting because you would think a perfectionist is someone who's just constantly on the lookout for ways to improve. But in a lot of ways, um, the, the perfectionist or the obsessive nature, you might want to say, in a runner, it stops them from seeing areas that they would like to adjust. So I know yeah. you would know this as well as anyone, but uh, in a distance running sense, one of the big obsessions is, okay, how many Ks, how many miles are you running yeah. each week? And for it's not just beginner runners, is it? It's runners who have been in the sport for a long time can still get caught on that idea of, oh, okay, if I, I don't want to take an easy day because uh, you know it's not going to look as good on Strava. As much as I love Strava, I think it, it's a, it can be a, it's a blessing and a curse. It keeps you accountable. Oh. But, yeah. man, uh, I just decided uh, my Garmin just stays in the drawer now because the amount of times yeah. I run an easy run and I'll look at my time and compare how I feel to how I, how fast I was running from the day before, was uh, it was it just took so much mental energy. And I had Stewie McSwain on a, a while ago, and he's the fastest bloke in Australia over 10K. And he goes, yeah, mate, I couldn't tell you how fast I run a, a Sunday long run or whatever. Uh, but the reason yeah. I, I sort of go off on that tangent is because um, – yeah, you would you would think that perfectionist nature would say, okay, I'm going to adjust, uh, but instead it seems to dig deeper and go, no, I've just got to ignore this pain and and, and really just try and grit and bear it. Like, is that a common factor that you've oh. found with a lot of the athletes that come in? Yeah, and I think like um, this probably illustrates it really strongly is that I need someone to tell me what to do. Like, so like I know what to do. Like, every, like even the people that know what to do still struggle with it. Like, if you're if you like, because running is quite addictive, and it, it's um, a lot of people do it because that's their stress relief, and and you know they've had a hard day. If they're sore, they just they couldn't care. Like they want to go for a run because that makes them feel better, like uh, mentally, and they just you know that you get that buzz um, from going for a run. So you know you you've got to. Like, so I, I, for example, if I'm sore, I go see someone external um, to, to my own judgment um, so that I've got that third, third person, you know, telling me, you know, oh, this is what I think's wrong. You should do this. And so then I'm, you know, I've got, like, I'm not clouding my, my decision process with what I want to do and, and it's what I should do. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's so common to Iceland and I think you've nailed it. It's, it's something that is always, um, is always there with most runners and um, yeah, that ability to go third person to it and go, all right, what should I do rather than what do I want to do? And um, take it, take a step back and go, okay, what would someone, what would I tell someone in this situation? Cause often when I do that, my advice is really good. Like, um, <laughs> you, you just got your physio hat, and it's not it's not your 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 runners runners hat, and um, yeah, and it's it's tricky because when when you're in a race, you need to have that really good ability to ignore pain and just push yourself. And but the, the more you can just um, uh, detach yourself away from the pain and and be able to. Um, yeah, just squeeze every little bit out of yourself. Um, that that can make a really good performance and runner. Um, so whereas training's quite the opposite. Sometimes um, you, oh, more often than not, you're training in fourth gear and you're sort of holding back a little bit and acknowledging the whole the whole week and the whole month and 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 you're going, what's the purpose of this run? And so you 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 can feel a bit lazy as a runner because you you're like, well, I didn't squeeze every little bit. Of, of juice out of myself for that session but you know at the end of the day you're training seven days a week or or you you might be training four or five days a week so you've got to you've got to make sure that the whole um, purpose of the session is really clear before you do it mm. and you know what's the point of this session rather than turning it into a race every time and I, I certainly have gone through it like in all through school I think I 
I almost gave every training session 100% and and it led to like a lot of underperforming. Like I, I felt like through school and for a lot of my running career, my best training was on the training track and um, I would always wonder why I was flat on race day. Um, and to me, I think it was for a while there, I just didn't get the balance right. And it wasn't until probably the last 10 years with the coach, um, Pete Swallow, my previous coach, that I really learned a lot about um, the whole the whole idea of um, uh, just um, that training, training and and the whole week, appreciating the whole week and appreciating easy days and, and the purpose of like just recovering and the regeneration run. And so those days in between your session days, just to use them as like not even to look at the watch like like Stewie was saying and 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 sort of like you've done Ty, how you just put the watch in the in the drawer and use them as pretty much just it's like active stretching. You're going out, you're turning the legs over, the blood's going to all the muscles that you use for for running. So then it's helping flush them out and getting blood to the muscles for recovery and repair and regeneration. And and that's really been great. Like most of my easy runs now at five. 10, 525, 30 per K pace. And that's a lot slower than a lot of the guys I run against. And but it just feels like that's the pace I should be going at to regenerate and recover. Mm. And then now I'm I'm the most consistent I've ever been race-wise, because I feel like I've got that balance right. And but it it took a lot of time to learn. And I think that's what a lot of runners need to understand is often you don't get the get it right from the start. So there's a lot of times where you get injured or you, you you are flat, but the good runner learns from it the sm- and, and they start training smart rather than being silly and just do it. Because it's very easy to fall into the trap of like more's better, but at, more often than not, it's, it's more a case of um, uh, knowing when to pull back, knowing when, when you can um, go to the well and then when you have to recover and, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a case of learning your body and learning your paces, and and um, sometimes you have to overshoot to learn, and you have to make a few mistakes to learn. Um, it's it's a bit of a like I said, everyone's different because everyone's everyone um, is a di- like um, has different strengths and has a different lifestyle and 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 different setup. So you've just got to you've got to I suppose make a few mistakes, but the smart runner learns from them and, and adjusts their training. Yeah, that's a really good point, man. And I think uh, you mentioned him earlier, but one of my great mates, uh, Jocker, James O'Connor, who I went to school with, our, our memories of running as juniors together are all, I reckon from the age of 15 to 17, we ran, say we did 80% of our sessions together, and I reckon 70% of those sessions we were on our hands and knees because we were just yeah. busting our gut to try and uh, beat each other. And it's a, it's a funny thing, man, because... We talk about social media as being a temporary dopamine hit when you see you get a like or a friend request from some pretty lady. Mind you, not us anymore because we're both married. But uh, for the for the single fellas out there, and I think uh, the reason that it's so effective to give yourself advice as if you were giving it to someone else is because the emotions that we attach to so many of the experiences that we have, uh, it can really highlight it. It can make it really exciting or really devastating. And I think it's almost human uh, human nature, isn't it, to want to experience that high that high sort of uh, endorphin release and that's that dopamine hit um, as much as we possibly can. But the reality of running, just like any other part of our life, is that you might uh, you might get that feeling once a week. Like ninety percent of your runs are going to feel yes. just okay, and then yeah. you'll. But the, the the funny thing is that just like golf. Um, you have one good shot that you're like, oh, that's all you can think about when you leave. You go, okay, actually, I can do this. It's the same in running. You'll get home after that Sunday long run where, you know, you're, you're 4.15 or like insert whatever time is great for you per K for an hour, an hour and a half. Is It just gets you up and about and people just live for that kind of moment. And I think it's, as, as we sort of said, it's a blessing and a curse if you can learn. I've been... <laughs> I've been reading a lot about um, a lot about Buddhism lately, and what I'm so interested in that they constantly speak about. In fact, I think it might be the foundation of the the whole sort of spiritual path or whatever they say is that a lot of the time that desire that we have is the cause of our suffering, and uh, yeah. you, you can't help but see it in in every part of your run. But sorry, in every part of your life, but especially running. And I think if if athletes 
um, could could really learn and train, just like you're saying, oh, bro, I'm preaching to myself right now. It's yeah. it's one of those things if you can just, hey, let a bad run be a bad run. Don't get too down yeah. about it. But let a yeah. good run be a good run. Don't don't you know convince yourself that that has to be the case every single run. It's a, it's a, it's so easy to talk about, bro. Though, isn't it? And then you get your watch yeah. on, you go out for yeah. a run. It's a, it's a, a much bigger challenge to sort of try and wrestle with. But it's a really important thing to, to I think highlight because there's a lot of runners out there that probably assume that um, you know your Ryan Gregsons, your Stu McSwains, your your Jen Gregsons and Jess Trengoves and whatever uh, are just having great run after great run. And in fact, even though I've been in the sport for so long. One thing I've loved about doing this podcast is you get a chance to actually sit down with people, as you know from from your podcast, and and just pick their brain about, all right, hey, let's talk about your highs. Let's talk about your lows. What do you struggle with? And it doesn't matter whether you've been a runner for two months or you've been a runner for 20 years. For some reason, the same issues and struggles seem to keep rising to the surface, and you realize it's it's just a constant balance. Do you know what I mean? It's a constant balance of trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to actually adjust and adapt in order to make this work? Yeah, oh, oh, definitely. Um, yeah, and like, oh, it's 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 such a it's such a balance. And what makes it hard harder, I think, is um, uh, like just the external stresses as well. Like, um, you know, it might be uh, work stress, or you know, you 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 might suddenly have um, a newborn baby that you're caring for. Like, life changes um, as well, and um, like there, there's there's those hidden um stresses or you might not have had very good sleep lately or you might not have been eating very well lately so it's all those stresses that um, a lot of people like a lot of um times you feel like you're in great shape you're training really well and then you have an average average run and sometimes running can be quite confusing um and because you you're like why did i have an average run everything was pointing you know to the direction that i was going to run well um like i feel like there's a lot of um like appreciating um, that there's a lot of um, extra stresses out there as well, um, uh, e- external stresses as well that you need to account for and um, appreciate. So sometimes when there are, when you do feel like there are those external stresses that you need to, you need to even like potentially go, okay, this week I'm not going to have it, have a harder run. Like I'll just run it, run easier. Um, uh, but th- you know, the other thing, like everyone runs for a different reason, you know, I've always been like really heavily keen on performance, like, but some people aren't super driven by performance and they just, you know, they love, like you said before, Tice, that, that um, hit and that adrenaline rush uh, of going for a run. And so, you know, maybe for them, if they're only running three or four times a week, then going out and, and running a little bit harder and they're not aiming for, for any particular race or, or any kind, they just like the feeling of going for a run, then you know, maybe, maybe it's okay. Mm. Um, yeah, for them, but, um, yeah, I, I, I it, it all depends on so many parameters because, you know, some people are running 10 times a week. Some people are running three, um, uh, and, uh, yeah, different intensities and, um, yeah, different, different volumes. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, there's so many, um, little, little parameters that you dial in and dial up or dial down that, um, you just got to learn and know sort of what your capacity is, and and it's just from learning from experience, I suppose. Um, and that 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 might sound simple, but it's so true. Um, and I, I've often found just um, keeping a diary is a really good way to 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 monitor, um, especially when you're starting out, or especially when you're new to the sport and you've only done it for a few years, or if you're having a lot of trouble and you are are in a bit of an injury sort of hole. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I uh, another bloke who's who's one of the members on on the on the show. He's a uh, Craig. His name is. He's, I give him a shout out because he's a great bloke. He's always getting in touch and just saying what he likes about and what we can improve. And um, yeah. there's a big shout out to him. But uh, one thing that he struggled with early was shin splints. Like he's quite a new runner, and he said uh, his biggest mistake was last year. He really tried to ramp up his training, probably a little bit too quick. And, uh, and and just the pain that he had to deal with was like a – it's a funny thing about running. You, you, you can only get away with a little bit too much for a little while. And I think yep. it's easy to trick yourself psychologically to go, no, I'm fine. But after a while, your body says, no, nah, you're not, mate. Like, And, yeah. and it's not going to work if you keep treating me like this. But that external stresses point that you touched on a couple of minutes ago is a really good one. I think a great example – do you remember Kale Simons? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. Kale Simons, uh, an Australian runner, he ran three forty four. He ran eight oh three for three k. Like he was a gun. Yeah, um, yeah, he, he had a lot more to give, I reckon, if he if he hung in there. Oh like, man, he! Yeah. I, I think he could have been a. I think he could have been yeah. a stud. I think he could have been yeah. a stud. But I bring yeah. I bring him up because uh, Jocker and I we used to always laugh because before Kale, me and Jocker or James used to go out for a session. Um, he would get himself so worked up to the point where he was furious. And he'd be like, he'd, he'd be grunting and moaning or whatever. And we're like, holy crap, like, what's this guy got? And then he'd go out and absolutely smoke us in whatever it was that we were doing. But what was so funny was I used to think, all right, well, I'm going to try and get myself in that state. And I remember a couple of times I'd have like a little argument with Jesse. And then I'd have to go down to training and try and do eight by K. And I'm like, fantastic. I'm going to use this anger and frustration and just go and run. And it was the session was always a write off because I don't know what yeah. it was. I just could not run well angry. Um, in yeah, fact, yeah. the more relaxed I am, the more calm I am. I always, I always felt like a like my best approach to a race is. I remember when I eight, ran eight ten for three k, which was like a massive PB. I, I was standing on the start line, and it's almost like I love that feeling of just pretending you're oblivious to what's going on. So I remember everyone used to be on the start line and you, you do your classic start, you know, you're this one. I'm trying to do it on the camera here for you, this one. And I remember we're on the start line, I just I just did this. <laughs> I, I just had my arms crossed. And I remember thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing, mate? And it was just, it was such a, like a nonchalant, like just a ridiculous way to start a race. But it was like in the back of my mind, it said, mate, look how comfortable you are. Like you're so ready yeah. for this. And yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I think every race after that one, I started with my arms folded, which you don't see, <laughs> which you don't see too often. But um, yeah, man, yeah. I, 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 we're going to go into detail, uh, yeah. into a lot more detail in the members only podcast that we'll do in a minute. Um, yeah. But before we do finish this one up, I was, I was just really interested yeah. from a, I guess a, a general standpoint, if there's, if there was a particular bit of advice that you would give someone who was just getting started in running from years of physio, I know we've touched on a couple of things, um, but if someone came to you and said, look, I'm interested in getting started, not really sure where to start, like did you have some real helpful, just pra- maybe three practical tips or, or, or a couple of practical tips where you could say, hey, here's a good place to start or a couple of things to look for? It's an open-ended question, but I'm just you've been in the sport long enough that I know it's a, a question that you'd have plenty of answers to to share, yeah. man. So, is there anything that you could encourage a, a new runner or an expert runner who just needs to hear it from a third party? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon. Um, so, say if it is a new runner, like just starting the sport. Um, I think making a, a like not just rushing it and going. Okay, in six weeks, I'm going to do do this and that like often I feel like the goal that they've got and the timeline that they've got is um, disproportionate so their goal is in six weeks but they want to run a marathon or, or like so um, like to make sure that the goal that they've got and the timeline they're using is is appropriate um, and if it isn't then go okay well what's a more appropriate goal for six weeks time and um I think that's where talking to either a running friend or um, reaching out to a running coach or a running physio is a good start in terms of just making sure that initially the goal that they're aiming for is really well pitched with their 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 um their running history, how strong they are, how long they have been away from the sport, um, and because as soon as you've got a well well um, a goal that's appropriate, and so like a goal that's hard but not too hard, um, then I feel like you're less inclined to 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 um, rush your preparation, and then every progression in training is less likely to be too much, and then so every step up in training is more likely to be tolerated by the body, and so you're less likely to find yourself. Um, yeah, in a bit of a mess and and um, over overloaded and and sore and and feel like you just can't achieve it. So uh, that sounds like simple advice, but starting with a really appropriate um, distance. So if you haven't run for a long time, then five k is generally a a good good goal. Whereas too many times I see people going, oh, I want to run a marathon, or like there's this huge push and um, uh, a 
like a lot of people really want to do the longer events these days, um, but they might have only done five or ten k. Um, like, why not try to make your five or ten k a little bit faster? Um, because I, I always feel like that that's um, a, a, a smaller change and a more appropriate change with where that person's at. And then once that's a bit faster, you've got more running in the legs. Then the next goal, maybe maybe it is a half marathon, but just doing it um, and and not necessarily racing it. Um, and then eventually doing the half marathon, you know, two or three or four times, um, rather than just rushing. Like um, yeah, today's society, like often we we really are just all in a rush for some reason. And um, uh, yeah, just making sure the goal is appropriate. And then uh, I, I often feel like everyone from a training point of view um, changes too many things at once. Um, so if you haven't run for a long time, then, you know, su- suddenly um, having um, suddenly running three days a week might be too much. So maybe you need to do the couch to 5K program and follow a walk jog program for for a good six, eight, ten weeks, um, just to just to feel comfortable running again. Um, with, with someone who's starting to run again, often you need you really show great improvement when you start doing a strength program as well. So often uh, seeing a running physio or a, a physio that you feel has got a bit of experience with running. Or, or a strength and conditioning guy, or, um, or a friend that you feel like um, well versed in it all, um, and getting uh, getting a few tips and go, where do you think I'm weak? Where do you think I'm getting pain here? They look at your running technique, and and they say, oh, geez, yeah, you. Or, or they do a few tests and they realize, oh, gee, that calf or that quad or that glute um, looks like it's definitely not up to scratch for doing 5k or 10k you need to work on the strength capacity in that muscle um, and so alongside your your running um, you might have three exercises that you do in your warm-up and um, and you just do that three times a week and then you, you schedule them apart so that you have your walk jog day you have your exercise day and then the next day you might either have a walk or you have a, a bike ride but you have have a day where it's um it's it might be a swim, but it's off your feet and it's not as hard, so you're recovering. Um, so you you you're appreciating the need to have recovery days in there as well. Um, yeah, that, that's probably that's probably in a nutshell um, a, a good goal and appropriate timeline for the goal, um, and then with training, appreciating the need to to change just slowly one variable at a time and, and the appreciating need for rest days. And then with the variables, I often feel like increasing your vol- volume is, is, the, is important and, and the frequency of running is important at the start. So, aiming if you're just starting running again, I reckon three days is plenty, but just not, not suddenly doing hill reps and stair reps and, and speed runs and, and 400s around the track, but more just focusing on, learning how to run and cover the distance and appreciating that that's going to be enough to get you fitter and faster because your legs are, your legs are getting more used to running and alongside with the strength training that's going to help too rather than adding in um, you know an interval session a fartlek session a hill session uh, a really really long run as well um, a lot of people focus on too many parameters and amping them up all at once and sometimes it's just good to be able to get yourself up to three to four days a week of 5Ks running first and do that for a, a block of time before you start going, okay, now one of those runs I'll change to a long run five minutes at a time every few weeks. Um, you add, add a bit more on and and then one run I'll, I'll start doing some thresholds, so some, 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 some stuff that's a little bit faster but not too much faster. And then eventually you might be adding in some longer reps um, but I, the last thing I'd add in is the hill reps and the speed reps. But a lot of people add that in way too early before they're actually a robust and fit runner. And um, you've got to be fit before you start really training for performance. And um, you've got to be a bit more injury resilient and robust as a runner and not pull up as sore before you start adding that stuff in. But the, do you know the flip of the coin is that you kind of eventually 
the, the stuff that really steals you from injury and stops you from getting injured is the hill reps and is the speed work and and it is that kind of stuff doing that you know just every now and then really keeps your tissue robust but the art is about trying to get to that stage where you're actually doing it mm, man it's such a good point and uh uh, what I really liked about what you just said then is just that slow progression towards the uh, towards the marathon. Make the marathon the last goal. In fact, with the programs that I have uh, on relaxed running, it starts off just like you said. We've got the we started a five k, and you've got the beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And the beginner option for the five k, similar to couch to five k, it's like a, it's almost a walk run process. Just to hey, can you can you jog for two minutes? Have a minute recovery. Jog for we'll do that for fifteen minutes, and then just gradually the whole goal with the way that it's structured is just to uh, the like the five k program um, is it's like a six week program. Do you know what I mean? So you gradually just work towards that, and then it's ten weeks to ten k, and then it's twenty weeks to uh, a half marathon, then another twenty four weeks on top of that to train for a marathon. So it's just I, I really like I really like and respect that. Um, yeah. that process because I've just I've spoken to so many runners and now speak to you know professionals like your, yourself in the physio world who say look it's just it's something you continually see and you mentioned before it's very simple but how funny is it man like uh, we, we're obsessed with the latest scientific breakthroughs and we want to know the complex breakdowns of you know whatever it is that we're learning but the truth is so many of us still struggle just to implement the simple and uh, I, I think it's um it's funny, man. It's almost ironic that the simple things are the things that we ignore, despite the fact that they're going to probably have the biggest benefit on our yeah. overall longevity, running performance. Uh, it's a it's a really interesting juggle, sort of, between all of those factors, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, um, on I had um, Michael Nishki on my podcast. He's a really good podiatrist from Adelaide, and he um, is doing a bit of study into. Um, running training and injuries and um, I think he simplified it really well and um, and you see it in the clinic all the time is um, people are um, probably putting more emphasis on oh it was because of my shoes or it was because of my biomechanics like my foot rolls like this um, whereas yeah they might be a small part but how, how did you sort of like done a really good sort of slow build-up um, he really and I agree with this, like really put a huge emphasis on training errors as the main cause for injuries more often than not. And it's when you ramp up the training too quickly in, in one way or form with, with all those um, parameters, you know, whether it was the amount of times you run a week, the frequency, the, the, the volume that you choose to do each run um, and the intensity um, at which you do it uh, and the, 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 the lack of respect or need for a rest day or an, an easier day, um, they're, they're more um, the, the predictors for injury I've found with the patients that I see and I'm really trying to educate runners that that's the stuff to focus on. Look, you can, you can run you, – everyone runs differently and, and, and everyone's supposed to run differently biomechanically um, – uh, you know, people run with, you know, knees rolling in. Um, some people run on their toes. Some people run on their heels. Um, but if you do a slow progressive program with appropriately pitched um, uh, uh, progressions and then adequately spaced rest days or easy days, your body will adapt and your tissue, your, your bones, your cartilage, your muscles, your tendons will all slowly get stronger over time no matter what your biomechanics are. Um, so biomechanically, um, that probably, and, and shoe wise, um, if, if you, it probably determines where you're going to get sore biomechanically. So say if your knees roll in and then you've changed your training really quickly, then yeah, maybe you're going to be more, um, you're more likely to overload your knees if you roll in really fast, um, uh, or, uh, if you run on your toes or if you, um, uh, always wear sort of minimalist shoes and you ramp up a training uh, para parameter really quickly, then, yeah, more, maybe you're going to be more likely to feel it in your calves. Like I think that stuff indicates where you're going to feel the pain, um, but it doesn't – it's the training and and the choices of training that is is the, often what is out of whack um, and is why you get sore. Um, I mean, if we didn't run, we wouldn't get sore. So – like it, it, it shows that the it's the training training 
um, decisions that are the most important part. Yeah, so true, man. I'm, I'm reading this book at the moment called, um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's like an old school 90s health book from uh, from the state. The, the, the guys who write it, write it have a, a company called, their last name is Braggs. They've got like Braggs apple cider vinegar. They're right, in, right into the health and nutrition and just getting back to nature's way of eating. And it was so funny listening to the book, uh, uh, looking through the book, because one of the things that the bloke who wrote it was saying was that, Whenever someone gets sick, they come to us and just say, oh, I spent too much time in the cold or I was around someone with an infection and now I'm sick. And he goes, no one ever takes responsibility for what they could have controlled. So the the, the nutrients that they're taking in, the sleep that they're getting, um, the stress levels that they're going through and, and so many other factors, which in fact uh, all sort of, uh, I guess, encourage diseases and stuff to flourish. So, man, it's uh, it's right in line with what Nitta, who just quietly is a great bloke, and uh, yeah, give him yeah. a big shout out because he's a he's a knowledgeable man. He's a South Australian bloke, isn't he? Yeah. Because yeah. I used to live in I lived in South Australia for a year, and uh, yep. yeah, for whatever reason, that just that name just sparked up the word Adelaide in my mind. So, uh, yeah, now shout out to him. He's a he's good. But man, dude, we've been speaking for for an yeah. hour now, and that was a, a banger of a chat. Um, I know I'm going to pick your brain a, a lot more and and delve into some more details about you know how we can structure uh, strength training around running training around recovery. Um, I'd also like to pick your brain in in more detail about some of the other mistakes and some of the other positive things that you see athletes doing because I, I know this is a conversation that you've been studying for sort of. 10 years and, and you could talk about for a lot longer but I, I know there's a lot of gold that uh that we can dig out there so we'll we'll jump across and uh and hit record bro but hey man thanks so much for coming on that was a really good chat bro good good excuse for a catch-up as well yeah exactly mate like uh, it's been way too long and now i always love talking to about running and um yeah i, I always um love a bit of um tyson popplestone time like yeah, you're <laughs> so positive and um it's you always um leave a chat with you like quite quite upbeat so oh bro i was saying the same thing actually when i hung up uh when we when we chatted the other day just to get this one hung up uh get this one organized i hung up and said to jesse i was like oh if there's one way to feel good about yourself give old dane verway a call so bro feelings feelings mutual uh well man we'll, we'll make sure this happens a lot more regularly and uh the only reason we didn't end up doing this face to face i don't know if we said at the start of the podcast we we're going to meet up at uh at what yeah. is it at waverley park footy ground yeah, and uh, I thought we could do it in the grandstand, but with that wind, and I thought there's no way I'm sitting in a car with a good-looking bloke like yourself for two hours because the uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine what the neighbours would have been thinking? Us two blokes said, "No, we're recording the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Hey, we'll leave it there, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, awesome, Tice.